Welcome to the 105 Way Podcast. I'm your host, Patricia. And your co-host, JL. And on this episode, we have author Sydney Williams. Her book is titled Avery's First Day of School. Sydney, how are you? Hi, I'm well. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. Yes. Thank you. Yes, thank, thank, thank you for being on here. And, you know, we were talking a little bit before we started the episode, but just for you listeners who are about to learn about Sydney here shortly, she is a prime example of literally the, the poster child of what you need to be when you're an author. Um, she is constantly putting herself out there, constantly letting people know about her book, about her vision. And so even with all these events we've been going to, we've been selling her book there too, but no one wants to hear what a book is about unless it's from the author. I'm telling you, with a publisher, whoever, family members, they can say how amazing this book is when it comes from you, that's truly authentic. So thank yeah, you again, Sydney, for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Yes. So tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, where you're from, what you do for a living, and how the idea of writing came to mind. So I'm, again, Sydney Williams. I am uh, from Trenton, New Jersey, born and raised. Um, Come from a a large family uh, of six of us. There were six of us brought up in my household. And um, very... I would say middle-class family, um, working-class family. And so one of the things that helped me um, kind of start writing or just try to figure out what I wanted to do, I, I am a school counselor by trade. Um, and so I do have my master's in counseling. And I wanted to do something that was impactful, but not therapy. <laughs> I did not in the traditional sense. Um, and so that was one of the things that was really, I guess, lighting a fire for me. I always knew I wanted to be an author, but I really didn't know that I wanted to get into ch- children's books until like, probably the pandemic. I was like, oh, I could probably write a children's book. Like that, I, that was something that I hadn't thought about um, doing until I was uh, just scrolling on social media and looking at different things. Um, I always knew I wanted to be an author, but not just not children's books just didn't, you know, kind of dawn on me initially. And so when I started working in the uh, elementary school, so I'm an elementary school counselor, which is from grades kindergarten through fifth grade. Once I started working with them, I realized that, oh my God, mental health is really something that's really prominent in our children. Um, and that they go through so many things where they are having all these changes, all these different new developments and mental health and, and, and being emotional and dealing with their social and emotional needs is something that was very prominent also. So I was like, okay. So I kind of just merged my two passions together, I would say. It wasn't really something that was fully thought through, but I think it was something that I think was done in a purposeful, um, with purposeful intent and something that I really feel like it was meant for me to do. Now, that's interesting. You had said from starting all the way from kindergarten, and I'm sure you can relate to this. When I was younger, the whole concept of 
oh, you need to be a, you need, need to be a big boy. Big boys don't cry. Right. So of course, people like myself and many other boys didn't ever go to the counselor because we're just supposed to get over it. Would you say that has changed now that you are in the, in the realm in 2022? Would you say that has changed or there are still boys who are even taught by their parents who would be our generation? Hey, big boys don't cry. Um, I think it's definitely still taught in this day and age, um, especially in the urban community. I think this is something that, you know, we've really just continued to, I mean, I think it's just ingrained in this that you don't want to see somebody cry, right? And you want to do anything that's going to help them to stop crying. But I think for me, as far as young boys go, I encourage them to cry, um, especially depending on what they're crying about um I've had a lot of of children lose people throughout this pandemic and just in general and so they always come to my office really sad um and really down and so I do encourage them to cry I do encourage them to let that emotion out because it's it's essentially healing for us I mean I feel like if we didn't have that ability to cry. Like, you know, we, we have that ability for a reason. We have that emotion for a reason. And so we, I definitely encourage my, my students to cry. Um, and when they do cry, you know, it's, it's part of the healing process because it's a lot of things that you are, you can't, it's a lot of things that you can't say um, verbally but when you cry it out, it's it's kind of healing. And some of those things in dark places and and things that secrets that you don't want anybody to know, it comes out in that and, and it's it's healing, you know. Yeah. And so walk us through a day to day because I, I know your days are probably different, but walk us through a day to day life as a school counselor, because I, I know growing up. 20, 20 plus years ago, counselor, the definition of a school counselor has definitely changed. Mm-hmm. And it, it's so much different now. Um, like you said, it's definitely gotten better. And, you know, more open as far as helping kids express their feelings and things like that. So walk us through a day to day life of a school counselor. Yeah. So I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, definitely a school counselor has changed. The definition of that has changed uh, over the years. Um, And it's important to know, like, I mean, when when I was growing up, I didn't really see my school counselor or guidance counselor, as you may, some people may know uh, that term, guidance counselor, but now uh, certain states are changing it to school counselor. And so in my day, Honestly, my none of my days are the same. The only thing that's the same is when the kids come to school and when the kids leave. <laughs> so it's so much happening from 8.45 to 3.15 in my day. And um, it can be stressful. It really can be stressful. But just some of the things that may happen, um, depending, I'll give you another, one of my other recent days, I was driving into work. Um, and so I get calls at all times of the day, even when I'm not working about students, because things are constantly happening. 
you know, um, and so a life in the day of a counselor is like me getting a call that a kid is in crisis at 7.30 in the morning. I don't like contractually have to be to work till 8.45, but you know, obviously everybody's getting up and going to work at, at, at a reasonable time. Um, and so already going into work with that on your plate, knowing that, okay, you have to get that is in crisis um and that just basically means that they're either dealing with a crisis situation with it with their families or that they're in a suicidal situation so going to straight go to my office put my stuff down and jump on that um talking to the child advocating for the child and making connections with the parent just to let them know about the situation so that they can go to crisis to the crisis center to be medically seen by the psychiatrist and so after that I may go from anything to going around the school walking around the school doing my rounds just to say good morning to all those other students um going into my classes where I'm working with them the most um dealing with social and emotional learning, which we call SEL learning. Um, and that can look like me doing a lesson, me just doing a check-in, me doing a welcome circle. I mean, that's a lot. And that's all before yeah. 10 o'clock. Right, right. And yeah. So, yeah, you do quite yeah. a bit. That's what I'm saying. It's all before probably, yeah, it's definitely all before 10 o'clock. Then you got lunch duty. Then you, after lunch duty, you finally get a chance to breathe and maybe do some phone calls, have some meetings, check some emails. Because at this point, I haven't even sat down. Like, I don't, if you're an active person like I am, I don't sit down. I literally don't sit down until 1 o'clock, 1.30. 1.30, I would say I'm probably in my office. But I hadn't been in my office all day. And if I've been in my office, it's very quick. It's like very like to grab something and leave again, to grab my laptop and leave again. Um, so I'm always on the go, always dealing with students, always dealing with uh, emotions, always dealing with people, kids' attitudes because children have attitudes. <laughs> oh, so I'm sure always dealing with either parents or new parents or parents that's coming to pick up their kids early but they need me for something um also what we call like dyspnea but what i guess we call it now uh bcpmp so like um children that are, are under the state's care dealing with them they come they at this point i think they need an office at my school because they're always constantly uh there the social workers um talking to them giving them information getting information about students that they are um, involved with. And at this point, you know, eventually I eat. <laughs> um, I was wondering about that. Go, right. Eventually I eat and go to the bathroom. Um, but then it's by the time I blink my eyes, it's time for them to go home at 3.15. So it's busy. It's nonstop movement. Um, very, very fast paced. Very always moving around um these days some of the things that i'm just like the head of is that i am the uh, intervention specialist 
So I'm over, um, which we call INRS, it's the Intervention and Referral Services. So that is if any child is having any behavioral or academic issues, um, I'm the one that spearheads that, that team and coming up with the plan for intervention for the student who's experiencing academic or, or behavioral um, concerns. Um, also, I'm the HIB special, specialist, which is basically um, harassment, intimidation, and bullying specialist. So it's a lot, especially K through five. So just to put it in a mind frame, this is five-year-old, five and six-year-olds to 11-year-olds. That's the prime years of your life where you are experiencing so much, you know? And so their emotions are all over the place. And so that's something that is like, I'm constantly, I'm the school counselor, but I'm like mommy, essentially. <laughs> And sometimes, you know, I think we're all like mommy, uh, family members, grandparents, yeah, aunties yeah. and uncles. Like literally, right. some of the kids be like, Auntie Williams. I'm like, yeah, come on, let's go. You know, yep, yep, yeah, yeah, I remember that. On, you know, yeah. because we're like second, second family. It literally is. Um, but then when they're good, they're good. When they're bad, they're bad. You know, when they right. see me at dismissal, they're like, bye, Miss Williams, see you later. And I'm always like, all right, have a good day. Like, I love you. See you tomorrow. Like, you know, like it's always that type of um, continue to nurture them so they know that they feel loved and they know that they feel um, appreciated and they can come to me at any point. Like, the kids will hunt me down. I'll be trying to hide from them. They will hunt me down. They will find me any means necessary. Yeah. And so as far as Avery, um, would you say that the concepts of the book, you know, you really tried to, of course, it's a children's book, but did you, you know, were you thinking about a lot of the kids that you've worked with over the years or even, you know, recently um, when coming up with that concept? I did. I also thought about um, just because I wanted to merge two passions together, which is writing and um, mental health and just mental health education. I kind of really wanted to write a book about um, a kid that deals with different mental health issues. And the first one um, that we started with this book was um, anxiety. And so just having that anxiety around uh, going to school. And ironically, I actually didn't have the pandemic in mind when writing this, which is funny, but um, it's so relevant because so many kids had social anxiety coming back to school. That's something, at, literally, as we speak, I'm getting a text message from my principal. So see, it never stops. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, a, it never stops. this is, this is your life. <laughs> yeah, it is. It really is. And so um, that's something that we are, you know, kind of all just dealing with like anxiety and being nervous about coming to school. And then, I mean, when you think about it, I wrote it on a premise of more of just a new, a first time kid going to school for the first time and anxiety around that. But it's so relevant to this time where you have COVID being virtual all year. We have some kids that never been in school. They like they could be in third grade, but they haven't been in school, you know, for their 
they've been in school in kindergarten but haven't been in school in first and second grade right right um or kindergartners that never been to school first graders that never been to school second graders that never been to school but they're in second grade so yeah it's, it's really relevant on on all all aspects and, and no matter how how you look at it and so that was really one of my things like I I experienced a lot of students having social anxiety not wanting to come to school or wanting to come to school but when they get to school terrified like they don't want to be there right like I really had one student that cried 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 for a long period of time like a lot of like maybe like three months straight cried because he had never been in school before he was a first grader um in the state of new jersey kindergarten is not mandatory so you know you could just register your kid as a first grader he had never even been to little auntie's daycare down the street nowhere because of the pandemic and so he was just home with his parents and he was the only child wow so being in school with and be, being in school but being in a public school with 19 other kids it was not working out for him he was okay when he was with his parents drop off as soon as he get into the school he was screaming and having a tantrum because he just he, he wanted to go home you know uh and then you have other kids that don't like school they don't like school for whatever different reasons they feel like they're not as smart or they feel like they're they're not fitting in so they give their parents a hassle in the morning they they have attentions at home where they don't want to go to school and pleading with their parents to not bring them you know so it's just different types of anxiety and different types of um stress that this, that students have that are preventing them from going to school and also instilling fear in them thinking that they're not going to be safe and okay when they get there yeah yeah and and it's crazy because the pandemic really has affected our children more than we think. I know I was talking to my nieces and nephews and uh, my nephews were starting high school and starting high school just from at home is, is a t- I'm sure is a totally different experience than, you know, actually going in. So you, you have that anxiety of starting high school period. And then now you have to do it from home. So you don't get that same experience, which is, it, it's unfortunate. And I know it's hard on our kids. So with that, I wanted to ask, what were some struggles you had when coming up with the concept of Avery's first day of school? I mean, the struggles? Um, I think the struggle that I really had the most was just trying to figure out what would be age appropriate to discuss, how I was going to discuss it. Um. The, like as far as the mental health topic goes like I didn't know how to really approach the subject and that was something that I wanted it to be um I wanted it to be fun but I also still wanted it to be meaningful and I wanted to I wanted it to be care friendly and so that was some of the struggles that I had with it honestly it did not take me long to write and I think that's why I meant, that's why I said, like, I think it was something that I was supposed to do because I really truly believe if anything that you're supposed to do, like God will give you the, you know, the means to do it and it will happen fast. 
And so I think I, once I actually said, okay, I'm doing this and took that leap of faith and said, I'm doing this. It didn't take me long to write. I want to say maybe it took me 48 hours. Like actually after I like let go and said, I'm like gonna take this leap of faith. Cause it had been a thought for years. And I was so funny. Cause I was telling Jason, I was like, all right, um, this has been a thought in my mind. And this year, my goal was to manifest everything that I had as a thought like let's make this a reality let's not just let's not it just be a, a thought in my mind let's let's produce something you know yeah. um, and, and really and really show I guess my creativity and what what I can do and things that I wanted to accomplish just things that I wanted to do like I I would I always said I wanted to write a book but what's good to saying if you're not going to do it you know so I think that was really my goal it was more so me proving to myself that I actually could manifest something that I was a dream and make it a reality. It was and part I, of that. Yeah. yeah it was and, really- and I like what you said too. You actually just said something which ties into our third question. You had said, what's the point of, in saying something if you're not going to do it? So we have uh, a good amount of listeners who listen on this show who are not published authors yet. And the reasonings may vary. Maybe they're still in the middle of working on their book or they just have some frustrations or doubts within themselves. So what's some advice that you have for someone who doesn't know where to begin, but wants to be an author? What advice that I have? Oh gosh, do it, just do it. I mean, just take the leap of faith. Like you are, you only can count on you and you are your, like your worst critic, I feel like. Like I just got up one day and I said, I'm gonna just write. And I, you know, and I didn't know where it was gonna go. I didn't know where my pen and pencil was gonna take me. I didn't know um, that it would come alive the way it did. Um, and so I was like super excited about the process. I was, I wasn't, and I wasn't really fearful. I think one thing you have to do is really meditate on it and pray about it and really if this is something that you want to do do it and then don't tell nobody you're doing it I think that's one of the things that (laughs) like honestly I didn't tell anybody that I was writing a book like I always said oh my god I want to be an author I want to write a book one day I probably can count on my hand how many people I told like I didn't even tell my mama and I talked to her about everything like I didn't tell her. Like I literally, I think when Jason gave me the um the the first draft of the illustration, that's when I told her. Wow. That was a long time because I had wrote this book in August. And I think when you gave me that, it was probably like October. Right. So I didn't tell anybody because you know what? I think some things are worth savoring the moment for because A, you don't want people to talk you out of it. And then B, you don't, for a new author, you're still trying to figure and navigate out this, navigate this new world. Like, don't nobody, and nobody else in my, in my family are author. I can't talk to them about, like, you know, as far as business and things like that, like, I can talk to them about it and they, they have good ideas. And I'm definitely, um, am accepting of those ideas, however, 
when it came to something that I wanted to do and I wanted to manifest this this idea and make it from a dream to reality, I was like, all right, God, if you're telling me that we need to do this, then we just gonna do it. Like I ain't telling nobody. I told, I think after I signed my contract with Jason, I probably told maybe a couple people. A handful of people. That was it. And I'm taking I'm saying like two or three. Right. Yeah. And, and I, I didn't I love, say nothing else after that. Yeah. 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 We I love lo- that. Yeah. yeah. I love that advice because it, you know, you're right. It's better to to wait because people do talk you out of things. People can, you know, say, Oh, that's not a good idea. And then that gets in your head and it's like, mm-hmm. oh, and then you're going back and forth with yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Our last question. What have you loved most about being part of the 105 family? Oh, oh God. I think it's so much. I don't know. I don't know. It's so much. I think I love the whole process um, and the transparency. I think that was one of the biggest things. And I, I don't, I didn't know what I was looking for. Until, it's one of those things like you don't know what you're looking for until you find it. And it's like buying a house. Like you don't know. You you know when it don't feel right, or you know if if you go with a different age or a different publisher where like if the chemistry is there, if it's like what you kind of want. Um, and I did do. I interviewed some quite a few people, and I was just like, okay. Um, I don't know. I think we had a meeting. I think me and Jim, we had a meeting and I told him I would get back to him later. But instantly I knew I was gonna go with him with what once I hung it up, like once we hung up the phone, but I was just like, all right, let me think about this not being posted. Let me actually like <laughs> um, so that's why I was like, okay, I'll tell you like that. But I think it was like not even 24 hours um that I actually like signed my contract and was like, okay, because I wanted this to be um I think I was just so excited to get this started. And it was a project that I wasn't, I had no familiarity with it. And he was like, so great. And me being a pain in the butt, asking questions all types of time tonight, knowing doggone well, y'all are not in my time zone. <laughs> and he would just respond. And I'm like, oh man, I got to at least message him at a decent hour. Like, <laughs> you know, and so I loved everything about the process. I liked the fact that, uh, you guys were transparent about how the process goes. Um, really understood my vision. I think that was the most important thing. Like understood my vision, understood what I was trying to convey. Like, I don't even know. Like, I think we had, did we do one edit? I think it was literally like one edit and maybe minor things that had to be fixed with. Like, it was nothing. Like it was just so effortless. Right. So just right on point. And I literally, I didn't even like, I don't know. I really, and it's so funny because my mom asked me like, do you even have a copy? Like, did you even get a first copy and save it for you? And I honestly didn't because I was just super excited. <laughs> point where I didn't do pre-sales. Like I didn't yeah. do that. Cause I was just like, y'all don't understand how long this has been of like just a, a, a thought. And now it's a reality. Like I was just overly excited. And so I loved everything about the experience. Now I will say, I don't, I don't have anything bad to say because I always keep telling uh, people about y'all and referring people. <laughs> I think every other day I'll be texting Jason like, uh, somebody else is about to call you. So just yep. FYI. I appreciate um, that. Yes. 
and and because it was a great experience and one thing i will say is like customer service like you know we're working with people and and being um and working together with somebody in this type of uh this production that we had to put together i it was a cool process and i thought it was gonna be like i didn't honestly i didn't have any expectations and because i didn't have any expectations i loved the experience because i really didn't know what i was getting myself into until I got into it like after the book was published and it was like available and everybody was like buying it I did have a little make breakdown I'm not gonna lie because I was like oh crap like I think it just kind of set in and the one thing that I wasn't prepared for which I don't think you anybody just think nobody thinks about this going into something new like the business aspect of everything like you just think about the art and the artist and being the artist and being the talent but then the business aspect of it all was like, yeah, yeah, I actually remember you. It was overwhelming. Like yeah, I, I literally probably like cried me. because I was like, that's one of those things where it's like nobody else is like, just like if you went to college, like no, and you're like a first time a uh, person in college, and then nobody else went to college in your family, like they can't help you, right? You know, right. Like I, who I'm gonna turn to and be like, how do I do? Um, get an LLC or how do I, mm-hmm. um, even make sure that my business is, is, is legitimate and make sure that I have a website and make sure that people know how to find me and just, you know, even talk to about getting a literary agent, like who, who, yeah. who you know, like it's just and different even, even the write-offs and stuff like right. that, as far as knowing exactly. what to conduct. Yeah, exactly. What yeah. to deduct, everything. And I, uh, it was so much like to this point where this this year like I had to get a tech guy like it's just so much on the business side where I didn't anticipate and so I kind of had to do it all really really fast just so I can start off in a good in a good place and not um shoot myself in the foot later right you know and so that was the one thing that I think was was uh which had nothing to do with you guys. It was just all just like coming into the understanding of, okay, oh God, now I'm a business owner. Like now I have a product to sell. I'm selling this product, but right. it's a business side to being an author. Yeah. It's not yeah. just you being the author and you being the talent. Like, And and for everybody listening too, you know, this this is definitely not, you know, to stir you away, but there are a lot of things to consider when you are making sales mm-hmm. and making connections and things of that nature. But, um, but Hey, listen, Sydney, you have been fantastic. Um, we, we really thank you for being on the show. Can you let our listeners know one more time, the title of your book, where they can find it and then also where they can find you. So the title of my book is Avery's first day of school. Um, and you guys can find me on Instagram at S M W author underscore. You also can uh, find the book on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles. Um, and you can also find the, the book on my website. It's www.sydney, S-Y-D-N-E-Y-M, Williams, W-I-L-I-A-M-S dot com. So you guys can find um, me on all those platforms and I hope to see you guys. Well, thank you so much, Sydney, for being on the podcast. We appreciate it. This has been the 105 Way Podcast. 
Tune in every Sunday at 5 p.m. Central Standard Time. Thank you.